Why is it the same repetitive mistakes continue to rob salespeople of more commission checks, regardless of industry, size of company, or region of the globe? These same inhibitors are holding us back from reaching our full potential. Amongst many industry awards, Ian Selby achieved the accolade of top salesperson in the world at Apple. And in this podcast, he will discuss the issues that sales professionals encounter from his own experiences, confessing to the problems he has endured and how he overcame them, giving the benefit of his wisdom to everyone listening who work in the world of sales. To help you, he will reveal strategies to overcome the issues hurting salespeople and helping you reach new levels of sales success. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With your host, Ian Selby. Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. My special guest this week is a gentleman by the name of Rob Malik, consultant, author, and speaker in Vancouver, Canada. Rob is an expert in helping companies to maximize the results they get from their sales, business development, and revenue generation efforts. His work typically results in doubling his client's revenue within 12 months of working together. Rob is a successful consultant acting as a fractional vice president of sales for his clients. He's also a speaker and author of the book, Sell More by Selling Less, Mastering the Conversational Sales Method. Rob has over 20 years of been there, done that, experience helping companies in all facets of revenue generation optimization, from choosing the right CRM to optimizing sales process, as well as setting up business development and customer success functions, as well as getting an existing sales team unstuck and hiring high-performance sales achievers. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Ian. Thanks so much for having me. I, I know you're busy. You've got a lot going on, and you've got a really, really cool angle on the whole thing. I, and I'm, I know I'm fascinated to know, to know more about it, and I'm sure our listeners are. So, Rod, a few questions for What exactly is fractional vice president of sales, and why would a CEO or business user, or business owner, rather, need one? Well, what is that about? Maybe you could... Give it some definition for us. Sure. At its essence, a fractional vice president sales is someone who performs all of the vice president sales functions, but it's not a full-time employee. Um, it's, it's an individual. So, for instance, what I do with my clients is uh, I will have all the responsibility for the sales function. I will work with ownership to make sure that everything that sales done, does rather is pointing in the same direction as where ownership wants the company to go. Um, I will work with managers. I will work with salespeople as well. But rather than be a full-time employee, which for some firms, it's a significant investment that they are not at, uh, at the time in their development that they are, can afford to make. But they do have a desire for sales growth and a need for that being there, done that experience. I can fill that role very readily. So uh, they get everything they need in terms of sales and sales leadership expertise, sales process methodology infrastructure, but because they're not my only client, they don't have to necessarily pay an annual full-time salary. So it's a significantly smaller footprint on, their, um, on the cost 
of employees using someone like myself. Um, also, from a fractional perspective, what I bring to companies that uh, often for them is, is a surprise is objectivity and fresh ideas that are coming from outside of their four walls. I work with other clients typically across multiple industries. And I see a lot of stuff and I see things that go amazingly well. I see things that don't go very well at all. And so when a current client where I'm acting as their fractional vice president of sales has a challenge, I have a very, very uh, broad and wide palette of colors to choose from as far as putting together solutions. And just because I've been able to see a whole bunch of things fly or, or not fly. And so in this arrangement, we help the company to ramp up and scale up the sales and revenue generation function and results. It's not unusual for me to hire my full-time replacement because there's definitely a time when a company says, we need someone here, you know, 24-7, if you will. And I will help them to recruit and find, find the right person that's going to help them go to that next level in terms of sales and revenue generation. That's fascinating. I, it makes so much sense, especially in today's world. Like, proven sales leadership expertise at a fraction of the cost. Because you're right, certain companies can't really afford um, that quality of leadership uh, at a certain point in their, in their development. So it's a, it's a bit like a timeshare model. Like they, they rent you till they're ready to, to go to the next level and you help find them uh, the next sales leader and probably do some coaching and mentoring with that individual to, to smooth the transition makes so much sense. It's, it, it, it's like the Chevy versus Mercedes. I like what you said about the things you find in one industry, Rob, are, are different in another. And, and I've often said this myself, that a, a Chevy in one industry is a Mercedes in another and vice versa. So, so there, that, that knowledge base, that transferability is so, so valuable. And, you know, if, if you only worked in one industry all your life, there, there's kind of blinders on you. You, you can't see beyond the trees you've already been walking around in. So what a dearth of knowledge that would offer any company uh, who's looking to grow their organization. So, so Rob, what are the typical pain points you observe that CEOs and business owners are like that they experience with regards to that whole magical question of revenue growth? I mean, that's really what it's about is revenue growth. So what does that mean to you? The typical pain points that clients will uh, come to me with are the big one, oh, our revenue is really low, we're not meeting our goals. That's sort of one of the, the biggest and the obvious ones. If we work our way sort of deeper inside of that, when you get to the uh, salesperson level, we look at sales velocity and deal size. And so for every product in every industry, how long it takes to close the deal varies. Some is, it's one meeting for 15 minutes and others, it's, it can take up to 12 months. It's a very complex sale. It's uh, a high price uh, for the sale. So if you are looking and saying, well, generally speaking, it should take us X number of weeks to close a deal. And my salesperson or my team is taking those weeks two or three times greater. That's another pain point we see that, wow, it's taking a long time to close deal. Um, the other is the average deal size. And again, every business owner will know that, well, my average deal is $500, $500,000 or $5 million. And my sales team or salespersons seem to be producing less than that. And um, so that's our deal size. Deal size is too small. 
other things deeper inside a business owner might have weekly sales meetings with their team and they say, boy, for the last five weeks, I've heard about the same deals over and over and over. We don't seem to be making any progress. Aside from sales velocity, you will then have issues of, well, the sales process doesn't seem to be doing anything for us and, and maybe we don't have one. Um, another, another sign, another pain point that owners will come will say, well, you know, we've born through three salespeople in the last 12 months. Um, so is it a hiring issue or is it because there's no methodology and process infrastructure for a salesperson to be successful? Um, so burning through salespeople or having salespeople quit on short notices is another pain point that um, business owners will come to me with. And so I'll assess all those things and try to help the business owner make sense of what's going on and pinpoint, ah, here's, here's the root cause of the pain that you're feeling. So well said, Rob. I, I really like what you, how you frame those leading indicators of, ah, like what's going on that's not working for us, right? And sales, you and I are very similar in, in many ways that often it's the sales process or lack there of one. I come into companies and they got 20 salespeople. How many salespersons do you got? Well, 20. <laughs> at least if they're consistent themselves. So quite often it's that process inconsistency that really can be the problem. Um, or deals that are stuck. You're so right about that. Something that's stuck in the pipeline and doesn't move and it's like cut and paste to the next month. And the, wait a minute, this deal's stuck. Is it real? Have we qualified? What's going on with it? And then the other one, I, I love what you said, and this is a real indicator uh, for you business owners and, and CEOs out there, is, is turnover. If there's a lot of sales turnover, it's typically not the salespeople. It, it, you have to look at leadership at that point. Maybe that's the issue or the lack thereof. So you know, having that objective set of eyes on, 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 on the ball like yourself with, with your experience, you can pick that up real quickly and the business owner may not be able to see that because they're stuck right in the forest. So that's, that's a tremendous uh, value you're talking about, Rob. So when a company's sales are slumping, right? They're going down, they're flat, or they're just not hitting the forecast they anticipated, which causes a lot of problems for a lot of people. Uh, CEOs and business owners often say, we need sales training. We've got to train our way out of this. What exactly is the role that sales training actually plays when a company's sales are slumping or stuck? When business owners say, I think we need sales training, I believe what they're focusing on is the how my team sells is not necessarily affected, meaning how they execute day in and day out how they handle conversations with buying influences. Typically, it's been my experience that that is not the prime determiner of sales success. The prime determiner is what your salespeople are doing. And I, I have this thing, this approach I call the four R's, and the question for a business owner to ask themselves is, is my sales team doing the right things, the right way, to the right degree, at the right time? Which is to say, do they have a repeatable sales process or recipe to follow that is so plainly laid out, presumably you don't have a highly uh, complex sale that requires deep domain expertise, 
bring people on, they follow the recipe, and out the other end will pop sales. Producing a sale is not unlike producing a physical product where there's steps that you have to take and there's certain inputs that are required and certain outputs we look for. Uh, if that process takes too long and there's a lot of waste that goes along the way in that process, something's off. So every business will have processes around accounting, around their manufacturing, around how they run their warehouse. Sales is exactly the same. And so sales training, how we do what we do, to me comes second to what is it exactly my team should be doing? And if they're doing the right things the right way, the right degree at the right time, you could bring people in uh, and quickly ramp them up to success. But when that process doesn't exist, that's when sales results start to lag or they never get off the launch pad. And why training is seen as the, oh, this is the fix we need. I'm not necessarily sure. Uh, I think sales as a process, even in the last five years, has really, really, really matured. There's a suite of tools out there for every micro step in the sales process to help us lead the people and manage the numbers all the way through to a degree that didn't exist before. Now we have the capacity to be process oriented in sales and the business owner who wants to have there's this term out there these days called the repeatable sales motion. Um, the company that wants that, which leads to reliable and predictable sales results, nine and a half times out of 10, there's something going on inside the process that's either suboptimal or missing, and it's not necessarily a training problem. I love what you said. I, I mean, there's so many things that resonated for me with, with what you were saying there, Rob. Like, you're right. Best, are there best practices for accounting or, 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 you know, operations or product development or manufacturing or marketing? Yes. And there are also best practices for selling. And through time, these best practices evolve. The world changes. The competitors change. Selling changes. You know, like there's a, it's a, it's a moving, it's a, it's a cork in the water. It's a moving target. So, Trying to get those best best practices laid down, and, and I also love what you said that you know the two day dunk in the holy training water, hoping it dries right. You know that that training is the recipe. You're right. It, that's a binder. Everyone's happy for two days, and it's on their shelf. They're, they love the course. They love the teacher. Great ideas. But the binder has to turn into behavior. It has to be part of that company's DNA where that's how they go to market every day. And, and so it's not training to get them there. It, it's the coaching, it's the buy-in, the commitment from, from senior leadership to the process. So I love what you said about the four R's as well. I, I, that's, that's fantastic. So, so you, you get involved in hiring and, you know, backfilling yourself once you've made the transition. What role does, you know, hiring methodology play and CEOs and business owners, sales and revenue generation success, Robin. In your experience, you've been doing this for a long time. So that the hiring methodology, you know, what role does that play? Well, it's interesting in that I would say it's the most important element of sales success, but it's not necessarily the first one you would tackle, which, which sounds kind of funny. I believe you need to have the sales process infrastructure laid out and you need to have the sales tools crm whatever else is inside your tech stack um set up 
integrated and ready to go. If you were to hire great salespeople prior to having that, those are the folks that will leave after three to six months. They'll become frustrated because they say, I can't earn enough money as much as I would like to earn because there's no processes inside this company. So we lay that piece out. When you have all that laid out and you go, okay, the machine is ready. And, and by the way, ready is never 100%. It's very iterative. If you're 85% away there, as the business landscape changes, you'll change your process and methodology to optimize it. Now comes the part where you need to hire salespeople who can run the machine. And people will hire on, I'll say, personality traits instead of personality characteristics, which is deeper. So in other words, if I, if I hire a salesperson who uh, is very eloquent and they have, um, you know, they love to engage with people and they're an extrovert, does that mean they're going to be a great salesperson? I haven't found that those are necessarily positive indicators. The indicators uh, around the hiring process that one would look for are, is this a competitive person who likes to continually achieve? Is this a person that has displayed in the past a high degree of initiative to do things and make things happen when other people aren't handing things to them? Does this person have persistence? Will they carry on with a task that is hard but they know they're going in the right direction and if they just stick with it, they'll have success. Um, are they organized um, so that as there become many moving parts, they are able to pull the straight bits together and get everything going in one line? Are they a team player? Um, sales, the lone wolf salesperson thing, I don't see it that often. 95% of the people that I work with who are the best sellers <clears throat> are great teammates. They're excellent at enrolling others in the sale. So rather than hire for someone's outward-facing personality, a hiring process should hire for these traits and characteristics. And to uncover if they're there, there's a whole school of um, approaching interviews called behavioral interviewing. If you were to Google it, you'll get more information than you could digest very quickly on how to conduct a behavioral interview how to interpret the answers. And so to hire the best salespeople, if you have a sales, uh, sorry, a sales hiring process that looks for traits and characteristics, and next allows you to see the salesperson in action. So for instance, one part of my defined sales hiring process is I'll say to the salesperson, look, in our next get together, um, what I'd like you to do is present to me your 30, 60, 90 day plan for your territory. If you were to be hired, you'd have to do this anyway. I would like to see what you have to offer now. So, and we give people time to prepare. And what that allows me to see is that person's business literacy, their ability to deliver a presentation with something on the line uh, to people who they may not know very well. It allows me to see their preparation skills and then ultimately their platform delivery skills. So we see a whole bunch of things. And having these show me moments inside an interview allows you to experience what your customers will experience and give you a lot more insight into, is this the right person? Do we have the traits and characteristics? Yes or no. Do they seem to have the business literacy and skills? Well, they, of course, would tell me they have them, but they've displayed they have them to whatever degree they were able to. Okay, this is the person I'm going to hire, or, you know, they're not quite up to what we need. I'm going to keep looking. Right. Right. I, it, it, there's a lot to it, right? And oftentimes on an interview, that's, that's 
can be a salesperson's best sales call. And it gets worse after that, right? So the idea that you put it into a behavioral framework, uh, Rob, that's brilliant thinking. Uh, I love what you said about attitude and follow through. Quite often, that's better than how much education and how many degrees that someone's got is. What is their attitude? We can teach everyone the product. But if they've got the fire in the belly and they, they follow through, they keep their commitments. Man, those are important traits to be successful in sales. Also love what you said about you're never really fully ready to get started. It, it's a work in learning or a work in progress. But, but why wait? If it's not working, why why postpone success? And I really love how you framed that. It, you know, in behavioral interviews, I, I, I think you're onto something huge. There's no question. So well done. Like, what can CEOs, Rob, and business owners do? And this is an interesting set of dynamics. To self-assess and, and determine. So this is them thinking about their own company before they talk to anyone. Self-assess and determine if their sales and revenue generation functions are not, hear this again, are not maximizing their potential. I would suggest for, for business owners who want to do that <clears throat> to, in their sales meetings with their, if it's a, an individual salesperson or with the team, get a baseline understanding of what sales velocity should look like, meaning, or your closing cycle, how long it should take to close a deal and what the average deal size should be. Have a look at the salesperson's funnel. And on a per deal or per opportunity basis, have them give you an assessment of what's going on inside of that deal in whatever way they want to do that and where those deals are heading. And if this is week one, continue this for week two, three, and four in a purposeful manner. Say the next week, let's talk about the deals you had. Are they progressing? If they are, why, if they're not, why? Ask your salesperson, what, what exactly is going on inside the sales process that's helping us move forward? And a salesperson who is adept will be able to answer that question, and a salesperson who doesn't understand the sales process won't be able to. And if you carry on that path just for one month, you will get a baseline of, okay, here's what we're doing, how we're doing it, and what we're getting. And then you can get to that point where you go, okay, this is too slow and the deals are too small. Or it might be the opposite where you go, boy, we're actually closing deals quicker than I thought we were going to. And our deal size is actually greater. The, the trap that business owners often fall into is, oh, thank goodness I've got a salesperson. They'll manage the function. And they'll just come back to me every month and tell me about all the deals they close. And the reason that's a trap is because the business owner doesn't have any insight into the process like all the other processes within their business, to critically assess is it strong or is it weak, or even less critically, will it feel like it's working well? So taking that time to meet, ask those questions, will give the business owner insight, and very quickly, the business owner will see, okay, boy, something's off the rails here, it's not working well. Or they may see, we're doing really, really well. I think we could hire another salesperson, have them replicate what the existing salesperson is doing, and uh, I can increase my revenue quite quite readily. But it is that time, attention, and focus, four-week period to give you a baseline, and then you'll know what time. Love what you said. It, it's uh, in 
effects, right? So ask, ask some questions, ask some ways. And the answers will, through time, as you said, I like how you said that, Rob, like ask it over and over again. See if there's movement, change, progress, uh, separates the wheat from the shaft. It really, really does. You'll find out who your, your, your top performers are and you can baseline that and you'll find out what you're just no longer happy to tolerate with. And then it's time to move on and make some decisions accordingly. So I love that you've got a framework for that. I, I'm sure there's CEOs and VPs of sales out there that would love to know more about that, Rob. So uh, how can, Rob, you, you've shared some great knowledge and wisdom with your experience with our listeners today. Thank you. What are the best ways that our listeners could get a hold of you? How could they reach out and say, Rob, i got some questions. You might be able to help me with this. I am easy to find. My website is www.robmalek.com. My email address is rob at robmalek.com. Or if they wanted to call me directly, uh, 1-604-512-8480. That's the phone number to get me at. That's fantastic. Rob, I want to thank you very much for, uh, for being on the podcast this week and sharing your vast wisdom and knowledge and experience with our listeners today. Thank you very much, Ian. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Confessions of a Sales Pro. If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With Ian Selby.